Well, the weather outside is frightful, but the football's still delightful, and we are not the top 20 How pod. long have you been thinking about saying that? <laughs> I wrote it on the bus. I wrote it on the bus, and it took me ages. Um, welcome, listener, to another edition, of course, of the Not the Top 20 podcast, episode 53, I'm led to believe, and uh, it's Ali Maxwell. That's me. George Ellick is to my right. Uh, we're side by side today, as we were last Monday. Uh, sorry we didn't get a pod out to you. We were, we were quite busy at the FSF Awards, where we were up for Podcast of the Year. Now, we didn't win. Unfortunately, there's not that much scope for surprise winners in a public vote. Um, Not bitter at all, though. Very happy to have been there at all, thanks to you, um, loyal listener. And, George, it it was a great evening. Do you think we sort of succeeded in in spreading the NTT20 pod word? Bit of networking here and there. Bit of networking here and there. Uh, Probably um, try to fry some bigger fish than us, but maybe in the future there'll be some... Uh, some interesting guests it was it was a great evening um, I enjoyed watching Ali uh, slowly become more convinced that we could win as the more champagne he drank in the first two hours where he actually looked visibly quite annoyed when we didn't win and then spent the next 10 minutes on Twitter on his phone I think just out of like protest the fact that we didn't um, beat uh, the Guardian Football Weekly podcast who sell out the London Palladium every year but um, well, I was trying to break the news uh, which which I knew podcasting fans across the UK and the world would be interested in uh, that the winners Guardian Football Weekly had their trophy presented to them by James Richardson now of the Totally Football Show but it was a wonderful evening so thank you again everyone um, for your support and we, we continue to bring you the good stuff we're going to start in the championship where George I think Looking at the weekend's results, a bit of movement in the playoff places is probably the place to start, with Cardiff playing tonight and Wolves having drawn at home to Sunderland. Bit of change there, actually. It it seemed like it was the same sort of teams, um, Sheffield United in third and then the rest. But now we've got Bristol City, who beat Sheffield United at Bramall Lane on Friday night, followed by Derby County. Uh, Aston Villa, Sheffield United make up the playoff places. And then below them, you've got Leeds, Middlesbrough, Ipswich and Preston, who are a little... uh, a few points behind but all bunched up and I think Derby George probably the ones to start uh, to talk about because uh, they're on a sensational run our, our friend Christian Goodbrand at Stats Christian on Twitter he comes up with the goods here seven games unbeaten away from home Derby um, just two defeats in their last 14 uh, four clean sheets in five and he reckons a big stat is that six of their starting 11 from the weekend have won promotion to the Premier League before do we think this Gary Rowett Derby side and moving upwards yeah I, th- I think that he's doing it in a very Gary Rowerty way as well um, in that they've won four of the last five um, of those four wins the aggregate score is 9-0 um, the one defeat was a home defeat against Ipswich which we can just chalk down on that weird Mick McCarthy Ipswich column I think um, and the, the fact they've gone on this run and they, they had four, four consecutive wins previously in the season and they seem to do it without much fanfare um, which is very kind of what, what Rowett did at Birmingham, really, just ensuring that they were pretty tight at the back, mm. picked up points pretty easily at home, um, and it's what they're doing now. And it's a strange one because whilst it's been obvious they've been on this run of form, you look at the table and they're almost the one that you, you look that kind of stands out as a bit of a surprise to see them in fourth, even Definitely. though you see them winning. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you just said yourself they've done it without fanfare, and you know they're a team in in their manager's image, as you said. I think the the signings of Huddleston and, and Curtis Davis, the, the sort of Sometimes you wonder whether those players 
continuing to be signed at their, uh, you know, extended age, if you will, might sometimes come back to bike teams. But actually it looks, you know, Huddleston, from from the guys that sent us scouting reports from that game, Derby County blog, and Daniel, who's a Barnsley fan, they both said that Huddleston controlled the game, the best player on the pitch by some distance. And that's great to see and and absolutely justifies um, his signing. And then the likes of Vidra, so out of sorts last season, has obviously been in the goals. But, you know, performances from Vyman, um, who's not a player that I've ever really liked uh, but is coming up big for them recently and Tom Lawrence who we knew would be good uh, is really settling in properly now I think it's um, I think it's really really impressive I feel like they could do with uh, another number nine option uh, Chris Martin just you know we know on his day he can score goals but he hasn't scored very many this season it's fair to say um Every team in the league probably needs a bit more depth at that position. But, it, you know, if there was one negative about Derby at the moment, I'd say that that's, you know, clutching at straws. But that's where I'd like to see them strengthen, whether they can or not in January after a, a fairly spendy few years is, is another question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my one concern and obviously beating Barnsley and Burton um, helps this, but they've dropped points in very strange Games. It must be weird being a Derby fan and, and, and going to, to Pride Park and seeing them lose 1-0 at home to Ipswich, seeing them lose 4-2 at home to Reading mm-hmm. um, earlier in the season as well, uh, drawing in the first game of the season with Sunderland. Um, they've, they've lost games that you wouldn't really expect them to lose uh, or drop points at least. Again, they, they drew 1-0 at home with Birmingham. So draw, uh, dropping points, drop, taking one point from home games against Ipswich, Reading and, and Birmingham um, is, isn't... Form that you'd expect no. to see you get get you in the playoffs. I think I think the other the other word of warning is their record in the second half of seasons uh, over the last few years. I, I, yeah. I saw some responses to Christian's tweet, and it was all Derby fans saying, "Yeah, yeah, well, let's just wait for the second half of the season. There's no way it'll last." You know, preparing for disappointment. So that shows how how much of a hit those fans have taken over the last few years. But maybe the, the other comment on Derby is they've got the the FA t- uh, FA Cup tie against United looming, and that always seems to go one of two ways. Either it, it galvanizes a team and makes them uh, stronger going forward because they're trying to set their claim for that big game or it can see players maybe not putting in the work because they're scared about getting a knock or something I mean maybe Derby a big enough club to to, to avoid that but but it's still a pretty big game in their season mm. think. Uh, Miles Armstrong was at the Sheffield United Bristol City game on Friday night he, he's there as a neutral so we know that what he says is uh, is going to be accurate um, Sheffield United easily the better team and could have been 3-0 up by half time you know Bristol City really rode their luck I think the post was hit three times in the first half and, and, and fielding made an unbelievable save as well Miles says that the red card changed the game and I think we all saw that didn't we but yeah you know with Coots out Flex suspended now and on a really poor run of form Sheffield United a team based as much as it is on the passion of their of their manager and um, and that sort of thing is there more scope for it to go too far the other way for, for a team like that or are you not too worried I think they have to be heartened to an extent by the performance uh, on Friday because I was someone who backed Bristol City because Obviously, since Coots um, broke his leg and, and John Lundstrom came in, they, they've, their form has dipped mm. and their performances have dipped. And so I, I saw that as being the, the kind of the catalyst for the, for the change for the bad. Whereas I think they showed on Friday that, that they can play without Coots. They mm. came against one of the best teams in the league, uh, one of the most informed teams in the league and, and by all accounts deserved to win. Uh, and even when they went down to 10 men, still had the better of the game. So uh, they've got to look at it positively. Fleck will be, be out for three games, which is a blow. But, mm. but I do think that even though that they came away with nothing 
um, you know, green shoots coming from that game despite coming away from it pointless. Definitely some some pointed comments from Sheffield United fans that I saw. John Ashdown of The Guardian, one of them, uh, saying... I got, not- I got a notification about that tweet, which is oh. weird. I don't even... I mean, I- Maybe somehow someone knows that th- that'll be good talking points for the <laughs> podcast. It's very helpful either way. He-, he said that it's become a bit of a theme, Chris Wilder, trying to chase games uh, rather than maybe settling. Um, is that something that you recognise from his time at Oxford and is that a problem? No, absolutely not. We used, to, we used to sit back as soon as we scored. Um, Different man these days. Well, that's exactly you know, when we had um, Ed Hawkins <laughs> on the pod. He said he's happy these days, so he's yeah. a better manager. Yeah, we, he was always a massive bugbear. It was basically the reason why um, no Oxford fans cared when he left. Well, actually, the majority probably actually wanted him gone. Was this just persistence to go one nil up and then just put ten men behind the ball mm. and go along onto a striker? Um, and but the thing is, as we all know, you learn from your mistakes. Um, and he's obviously <laughs> worked out. It's gone way. the other way. And, but, you know, but the, the, the complete, the, the style of football that, that Northampton played and the style of football that, that Sheffield United played is totally different to, to how Oxford played. It's actually most similar to how he played in the conference. So um, if anything, it's another, another string to his bow that he can, he can do it both ways. And another nod for, for Bristol City, who, who got the win after all, and who are in third place now. A battling performance, a win, an undeserved win, but always good to get those, I suppose. Um, Aidan Flint with six goals this season George I think three of them have been winners one was a late equaliser um, do you see the, I'm not do, sure do he's a particular did you see the gif yeah I saw the gif I see all the it's gifs it's too much now isn't it I mean it's fine Brush I mean face. yeah yeah ridiculous <laughs> um, he's clearly a, a quite the character I'm, I'm not convinced he's a particularly good defender uh, but if you score that many goals then it certainly um, disguises perhaps any weaknesses that you might have at the back but it'd be really interesting to see if Lee Johnson and this young, vibrant side, which we keep saying can can keep going, because of, of course last season, while they weren't this high, they were still doing very well um, into the winter, the start of the winter at least, and the drop off was immense and intense. And yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens because you know if they can keep everyone fit, bearing in mind they've done, they've been on this ex- exceptional run without uh, Famara Djedju, and um, I think you know it could be a really interesting really interesting side battling for, for that second spot um, Aston Villa was certainly batting, battling for it but really poor performance against Millwall on the weekend Steve Freeth and George Smiley were both there and just said you know Onomer and Davis they had an off day the problem with those two really bright young talents is that they're not going to perform every week and when they don't they haven't got any other options at the moment um, but both full of praise for Millwall actually uh, solid defensively uh, good width from Romeo and Meredith at fullback especially and probably the better side could and should have been comfortable winners if it wasn't for Sam Johnston in goal for Villa so uh, you know it's it's no surprise because we've always raised this this caution when it comes to Villa and especially with all these injuries at the top end of the pitch so um, you know Steve Bruce said afterwards there were no positives apart from Sam Johnston's performance and I think that that you know, we'll just put the brakes on the Villa optimism because, um, you know, while they've been on a good run, they've got a really tough spell coming up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next few weeks are a bit of a slog for them. Again, not helped by all those injuries. QPR uh, were beaten by Leeds and Kamar Roof scored a hat-trick playing through the middle. He didn't start through the middle, but Ekuban's injury in the first half meant Roof went through the middle. Um, most people say that means there's no target man, there's no one to, to hit the balls in the air to, but... It's just not the way they play at all. And, and actually, the, the low crosses... Well, his first goal was a header, second from a, a whipped ball, a sort of shin height. He has got good enough movement to get in there and, and did score the goals. And George, there are still people who think that Kamar Roof's a winger. 
He's, we, we keep clowns. We've been trying to tell him who. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I think his game's been been um, well rounded now that he's probably a more effective wide player than he was when he first joined. But you know, play him up top and he'll score goals. He scored like twenty seven goals in a season mm. uh, two years ago. So it shouldn't come as much of a surprise. He can do it. That's his second hat trick of the season as well for Leeds, having got one in the cup. In the cup, that's right. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, he's he's class, and I, and I think that. A lot of people, when I've spoken to them or, or you know, corresponded with them about Roof, they say that there's no room for Pablo and Roof in the same team. Pablo's obviously not had anywhere near this, the, the same kind of season this year that he had last season. Mm. But maybe if, if, if he can play as a 10, I mean, I know that also his size now, it's very tough and Pablo's been playing off the left. So they maybe do have too many 10s. But if Roof can play as that, as that, as that you know, lone striker role, then that does make, create a lot of options for Leeds within their squad. I'd like to see uh, a left-footed left back bought over the summer uh, sorry in January because Berardi's playing there at the moment and, and you know maybe they do have too many number 10s but I think the best way of getting leads properly ticking is to try and use them as much as possible roof through the middle as the nine uh, with Saiz behind him uh, Alioski on the right and Pablo on the left in which case you do need fullbacks that can overlap Ailing does half a job he's not brilliant going forward but he's perfectly fine and solid defensively if they could have someone ironically like Charlie Taylor um, who can get beyond a, a, and deliver good balls or just provide an overlap to drag um, the fullback or, or the winger to, to just ask a few more questions of defences I think they could make some moves in January. I wouldn't be surprised to see another central midfield player brought in um, just to give them a little bit more bite. And um, I, I really do think they could be a um, possibly second spot too far, but uh, a strong playoff candidate. And uh, I mean, they're just outside the playoffs at the moment, so it's not a crazy prediction. Well, but I'm, I'm feeling quite positive about them having watched that game very closely on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously the, the goal they conceded never, never should have been, ne- never should well, have gone in. Well, that's another issue. Um, but, but it's interesting, if you look at... Uh, basically all the teams below Bristol City Derby, Villa Sheffield United Leeds Middlesbrough Ipswich maybe not Ipswich Preston they've all had really bad runs this season and I think it says a lot about the strength of the division that you can go through the you know go through some really tough periods and still come out at the end of it with a still a good playoff chance and we're you know we're in mid-December now well, so. it, help, it helps my theory that outside of Wolves there are a load of 7 and 8 out of 10 teams and there's like if that, 8 of them and so they're that, all think, and so yeah. they're all beating each other and they're all um, dropping points to each well, other I, th- I think Cardiff are, are you know clear second as well Reading in good form at the moment be interesting to watch that game tonight the big news of the week came uh, at Hull uh, Leonid Slutsky gone our favourite wholesome happy manager and um, he's been replaced by Nigel Adkins now if we thought if we thought that Leonid Slutsky's disposition was one of uh, positivity uh, possibly naive positivity then what do we think about Nigel Adkins because he's possibly takes that to another level famous quotes such as the biggest room in your house the room for improvement uh, and various other inspiring slogans and poems that he loves it's 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 um you know he's going to he might be trying to kill them with kindness as well, but they got a great win on the weekend, 3-2 against, against Brentford and, and showed their quality. The goals from Grzycki, from Larson and from Jackson Irvin proves how good some of their players are. So, you know, what were your thoughts on that appointment, Adkins, as a, as a, as a bloke, as a manager? But you just got to feel a bit for Slutsky that he probably watches those goals and thinks... They, they were going over the bar when I was, uh, when I was manager. Yeah. And, and again, that's why you have to temper ambitions slightly because I, I don't think you can give Nigel Adkins too much credit for um, for these you know three fantastic goals finding the back of the net but having said that it's amazing what a win can do for positivity for for the attitude of the fans and for momentum so 
it's a perfect start against a very, very good uh, Brentford team. It, it leaves them uh, six points clear of the relegation zones, but Ooh. certainly looking up. Uh, and as we've alluded to, because of the, the stuttering form of those who, who do occupy the bottom end of the playoffs and also the, the spots just outside, then, then there probably is scope for someone around there to put a run together and, and get in amongst it. It makes you worry for teams like Barnsley, QPR, because some of that lot down there look like they might be mobilising upwards and those teams at the moment on such a poor run that, that they're really getting sucked in. But um, there was what I was calling the disgruntled derby on Saturday. That was um, Norwich hosting Sheffield Wednesday. Both sets of fans really not feeling it, I think it's fair to say, so far this season. And uh, Norwich won 3-1, a, a great win for them. I'm not that interested in discussing um, you know, the negative sides, Sheffield Wednesday, Carlos Carvalhal. Our thoughts haven't really changed since our pre-season previews, our pre-season predictions for which we got a fair amount of abuse. Um, if anyone wants to listen to what we think about Carvalhal, then please go back and listen to those. It's the same now, 20 games in, and we hope that some of you may have come over to our way of thinking. So we'll keep an eye on that because you know it could be that there's a change in management. And, and Daniel Farker on the other side, Probably, probably bought himself a bit more time. Nelson Oliveira starting that game, and, and always, I mean, he, he had a big, a bad miss, but always a, a, a handful when it comes to giving himself chances. It's interesting that you, that you mentioned buying himself more time because I presume that as well. But I spoke to a Norwich fan today who said that he didn't think there was basically any chance of him going anytime soon. He thinks that basically Norwich have invested in the man and. Mm. The fact that they've probably lost their their playoff chances or promotion chances so early in the season, maybe even buys them more time, gives, mm. gives him a year to sort it out. Pritchard now back uh, and fit, which is a huge, huge boost for them. And Finding a way to get him and, and Madison, who both had great games in the same team behind Oliveira, that's impressive. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and if they can make a late, run, a late run to the playoffs, then good on them. But if not, then it gives Farker. If they do think that he is he's a, as talented a coach as, as people mm. say, then it gives him time to assess his squad and then if they're still not doing it this time next year, then maybe that's the time to pull the trigger. Definitely. I mean, he's got a great excuse when you look at the... They, they published their own figures the other day when talking about, you know, you know, they're sort of warning the fans that if they don't go up this year, they will have to strip back the budget, which they already did this summer. And, and Farker can point to that and say, you've said yourself, look at how much money we made over the summer in, in um, you know, dropping some, some wages and, uh, and in selling players. You, you know, you made me strip back a team and, and try and make the best of it so he's got certainly some excuses and I think both of us are still confident that, that he'll um, turn them into a good team if he gets the time a bit worried about Burton Preston got a fairly routine win at the Pirelli where Burton simply can't stop the opposition from scoring this season um, they're, they're also you know as Ollie who's there a Preston fan tweeted in he said look Burton can play it around quite nicely but they they lack that quality and there's nothing new there it does look very worried they need essentially a transformation the likes of which we saw from Bolton about two months ago um, the difficulty is that 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 was a pretty exceptional um, situation I think and I think it's going to be very tough for, for Nigel Clough to do anything um, credit for Chris Coleman his Sunderland side get, getting a point away at Wolves uh, with 10 men um, we should also say with 0.1 as their XG total in that game but, but good, um, fair, fair enough yeah good on them absolutely good on them and um, Fulham won Birmingham nil we had Chris Quinn tweet in he's a Blues fan saying we're an absolute shambles and we'll be bottom at Christmas unimaginative uh, I asked for a, uh, a player from the opposition that impressed. He said, it's unimaginative, but Cessignon will be an absolute player. So one thing we already definitely knew about Cessignon, uh, Birmingham bottom at Christmas. 
having just said what we said about Burton, I'm not sure I'm quite in agreement, but you know, the the the, the idea is there from Chris, uh, from Chris, Chris, Chris Crin, <laughs> Chris Quinn, and I think that sums it up really, doesn't it? It's um it's remarkable at the moment. Steve Cottrell's quotes after that game. We do all the work through the week. What do you want me to do? Conjure all of a sudden a bucket load of goals? Do you not think I would have done that by now? We haven't been able to score goals last season. We haven't been able to score goals this season. And then my favourite, there was quite a few balls that flashed across the box. They flashed the ball across the box and they scored from it. There was nothing special about their ball across the box, was there? They just had somebody on the end of it. I mean, some of his quotes are just, he looks... looks done already it's remarkable it's just I don't understand how the appointment gets made and I understand that he was part of the team that kept them up last season but you think if he's already been employed by the club then and he comes out with stuff like that then there'll be people in positions of power to make sure that he doesn't get the job not that he does I feel sorry for their fans so do I so do I I must say Uh, and we'll move to League One now where Blackburn uh, the the Blackburn locomotive is is full steam ahead now they've won just um, quickly just on Redknapp. Yeah. Like Spurs aside, for a guy who's known as Harry Houdini, mm-hmm. he does leave like every club in an absolute mess, doesn't he? Yep. There you go. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that is the NTT20 hot take for the day. <laughs> Nothing else to add. He, he leaves teams in a mess. Harry Houdunit. <laughs> Harry. Well done. Very good. Um, we're moving on, George. We're in League One already. We're, we're talking about Blackburn because they are... Uh, absolutely flying at the moment and Bradley Dax scored a double at the weekend he almost had the season off last year in a a poor Gillingham side but Bradley Dack playing well and playing often and playing with freedom in a good team is uh, is far too good for League One level. Both of his goals beautifully taken. His exchange for Smallwood for his first goal was um, was Liverpool esque, I would say, after their demolition of Spartak Moscow in midweek. Um, and it's them and Wigan. They, I mean, uh, Shrewsbury still clinging on to second place, but without meaning to be harsh, probably not for long. Do we no. think? Do you think those two are going to pull clear now? No. I think so. I think Bradford are possibly the only team who can get in amongst it who are currently fourth. Um, except for that, it's, it's a poor, poor league. I saw someone tweeted us saying mm. they reckon that both teams could get to 100 plus points. I'm not quite sure about that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went pretty close. Um, it's fairly obvious now that they are two class teams in a, in a pretty, pretty shoddy league, mm. um, which is going to make it interesting because I think a team, it, it makes that third, the playoffs very, very open indeed. I, I do think that Bradford are probably... Um, the next best I'm, I'm not sure I can see Shrewsbury really clinging on although they showed fantastic fight to come back and score an absolute worldie against, uh, against uh, another late well. goal for them I know but it's amazing you know, <laughs> yeah. and good on them and, yeah. um, and a surprising defeat for Scunthorpe at Walsall as well mm. um, who apparently didn't show up whatsoever so. yeah so, so Scunthorpe had won I think six or seven maybe in a row had really flown up the table to, to cement themselves in and amongst it but yeah that win away at Walsall and the Walsall fans of which we have a great many friends following us um, they, they were very unimpressed with Scunthorpe I must say um, very disappointed with Scunthorpe says Matt Vale um, Morris played way too deep and Madden was anonymous that, I don't think that's anything new I think Madden's anonymous even sometimes when he scores exactly. you know two or three um, but in terms of, of Walsall it's such an interesting topic uh, the manager John Whitney just and his relationship with the fans it's really interesting. I always think that, you know, you and I, we feel like we can shine the light on a lot of good stuff in the Football League and, and, and that we are very well placed to comment on most things. But there are certain scenarios when 
there's clearly something that if you're not a fan, you can't quite understand. So, so Whitney's Walsall ostensibly are doing all right. Our mid-table have been on a good run. Um, does that mean the fans' opinion of John Whitney is turning? It, it doesn't seem so. Uh, we've had a lot of tweets from Walsall fans uh, today saying, you know, good win, um, but it's going to take more than just form. You know, they say he needs form with a bit of style attached, uh, not necessarily a Dean Smith style, uh, who, who did so well with them two seasons ago, but some sort of notion of how he wants his team to play, some positive signs um, that, you know, are there, and no doubt that, um, that we'll still have some good players for the level, but it, it is an interesting situation. And, and um, yeah, one to keep an eye on, because Whitney's think- the type of guy that if he keeps winning and the fans don't turn... That, that must be a real sort of... I mean, you must feel like you can't win there. I'd be intrigued to just to watch Walsall a bit more than, than we have, except for just highlights, because I don't really see how you can have seven wins from 20 if you don't have a style of, you know, if you don't have some kind of purpose. Mm. You know, but look, you look at the, like a Birmingham, who we've just been speaking about, they look like a team who have absolutely no idea what style of football they're meant to be playing whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and, and because of that, they're not picking up any points. Walsall have a game in hand on most of the rest of the division. If they were to win that, that would bump them up to eighth <laughs> but this is so, what I mean isn't it it's, I it's an ex- I, 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 it's I understand a... that and I get that bridges, bridges have been burned and I, and I know that football fans are, are fairly um, reticent to, to go back on when they've made um, big statements on what they think they're, they're, they're not the, the easiest people to, to turn around including and you and I including you and I to yeah. say that I was wrong Wes Thomas I love you um, <laughs> but uh, but it just seems like maybe this is a time where they've got momentum behind them they're, they're beating good teams um, they're making obviously good teams like Scunthorpe look poor just maybe just you know just just wait a bit and Give them, a, give them a cheer. A couple of teams from the top half of the table or, or sort of mid-table who are actually on really poor runs at the moment. I was looking um, over the last six games, here are the teams taking less than a point per game. MK Dons, Rotherham, Peterborough and Blackpool, all of whom were, or uh, except MK Dons, the other three have been up there this season earlier on. Um, so, you know, ones to keep an eye on. Gab Sutton was at MK Dons, one, Shrewsbury, one. And, and as we mentioned, it was a, a late equaliser from range from Shrewsbury. But to all intents and purposes, Gab said, Gab said it actually looked like Nielsen's men had, had executed a solid defensive display until Whaley's stunner. So perhaps we can expect an, an upturn in form, but we've expressed some doubts about them in recent weeks and Ben Travers was at Bradford 4 Rochdale 3 definitely the game of the day in the EFL goals absolutely flooding in um, he's, a, he's a Bradford fan he said that for Rochdale Henderson, Doan Calvin Andrew and Callum Camps all excellent for Rochdale those are all obviously attacking players but they can't defend um, and um, that's been echoed by the Daily Dale who follows us he says we just cannot defend especially set pieces that must be really frustrating because they scored some they scored some good goals um, some great some great attacking play from Rochdale it's all getting maybe a bit much for Keith Hill George here are some more quotes from another manager who seems a bit bereft he says that's probably the most disappointed I've ever been as a manager at Rochdale we plan all week and do our due diligence and it gets thrown out the window by player decisions the players are absolving themselves of any responsibility and it's hard for me as a manager I may as well stay at home all week turn up on a Saturday put the names into a hat and say go out and play DIY football I mean they have pretty similar words to Steve Cotterell's, to be honest. And you've got to feel a little bit I think, for him. I, th- I think they seem a little bit more pointed. I, th- I think he is obviously feeling very let down by his players and he's, and he's telling, saying that in the press. I think that he, that's a kind of a roundabout way of throwing his players under the bus because he feels that he's not responsible 
um, for the defeat. And if he's right, and if you if you are working on uh, on defensive work and you, and you and you concede four in a game, then then it's probably fair enough. I, I think that you know Keith Hill's a, an experienced season manager and a, and, a, and a you know a legend up at Rochdale, and and I think that you can probably give more credence to what he's saying than than to Steve Cottrell's absolute nonsense. Five-one win for Oldham against Northampton. Oldham, a team that ever since I tipped them to finish in the top half when they were down in twentieth, I've been keeping a very watchful eye on. And it seemed on the weekend that some of their attacking talent started to to really put it all together. The likes of Doyle and, and Craig Davis up front, but. The jewel in the crown is obviously Jack Byrne, on loan from Wigan. Uh, he's a former Manchester City youth player. He's a classy passing midfield player, and he's clearly got an eye for goal as well. Scored an absolute stunner on the weekend. Scored another as well, and he is just sensational. He's, he's making this Oldham side five times better than they were before he joined. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Wigan react to that, because, you know, let, let's say that Nick Powell, who's, who's their own star, but we know struggles to stay on the pitch all game, you know, <laughs> Byrne should in theory be a nice option to have around, but maybe they'll let him stay at Oldham where he'll only continue to increase his value. And George, they beat Northampton 5-1. Not the first time Northampton have been destroyed uh, recently. Not the first time since the saviour, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, went and, and joined them. Um, fair to say that you called this, the, the fact that Hasselbank was probably not going to make them any better. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he has. I called it, and their only win since I called it was against Oxford away, <laughs> so that was annoying. But uh, yeah, I, I think that they are pretty much my surefire bet to go down, as it is. I think they're the worst team in the league. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has, is basically a last chance saloon in terms of his uh, managerial career. I think that more and more it looks likely that what happened at Burton was was just a, a, a fantastic squad and a, and a great um, environment to be in. A great uh, structure. QPR was QPR was awful, and then this. And, and if you look, you know, you look at Justin Edinburgh, a previous Northampton manager, who's now had to drop into the non-league um, with Leighton Orient. So for Hasselbank, this is this is difficult times because if he doesn't turn this around pretty quickly, let's just say I, I don't imagine it'll be him taking them down. I wouldn't have thought. I think that. Um, it's gone from bad to worse, and they're just. I mean, talking about teams without a plan. I mean, if Walsall don't think there's a plan there, I'm not really sure what the plan is at Northampton. I was going to say they don't seem to have that much about them. Looking at the other teams at the bottom, uh, we yet to really see what Berry are going to be like under Chris Lucchetti. Uh, Plymouth showing plenty of signs of fight recently and a good late win be fine. on the weekend. Even Gillingham, who they beat, they you know if you watch the highlights of those games, they they, they have something Did about Tiago goal. <laughs> It's absolutely ridiculous. The defender didn't know where the ball had gone. Um, <laughs> no surprise to see Kerry creating it. Um, Wimbledon, I'd be quite worried about. You can still get five to two for Wimbledon to be relegated. And, and don't forget, there are four relegation places in League One. Um, always, I've always been a bit down on Wimbledon. They obviously were meant to be playing away at Bury, the bottom team at the moment. And if they lost that, uh, that postponed game, I'm not sure when it's going to be replayed, but Bury will go above them on goal difference probably so um, keep an eye on Wimbledon is all I'm saying I feel bad saying it because we 
we got some good pals who support Wimbledon, but um, but yeah, uh, keep an eye on them. In League Two, the top two played each other, and it was very even. Everyone agreed. Even Nathan Jones agreed. It was very even. Lots of love between the two managers afterwards. Um, it was one-one between Luton and Notts County, and Notts County just proving how good they are defensively. I mean, they they really do restrict the opposition from open play. Um, Luton's goal predictably came from set pieces. Uh, a set piece. They are excellent when it comes to them um, but Notts County had plenty of chances of their own and Barney who was there a Luton fan said it was a, a disappointing equaliser to concede an error from the goalkeeper uh, but can't complain about a point to the team in second a bit like Blackburn and Wigan I wouldn't I think these are the two best teams in the league I think they're different teams and slightly different styles but I think um, I, I can't see either of them you know dropping off put it that way I think we'll definitely see those two in the in the top three come the end of the season and um, yeah it was an entertaining game down at the bottom the bottom two played each other as well Chesterfield under Jack Lester and Barnett under Mark McGee and Chesterfield won 2-1 in the last minute uh, it was a a no-look reverse through ball from Ian Everett uh, the big centre-back through um, to Robbie Weir who slotted in Robbie Weir not only was it his birthday and he scored the winner in the 93rd minute but he came off and said he played absolutely terribly nothing worked for him and he was really disappointed with his performance so um, plenty to look into there and a bit worrying times for, for Barnett who again just don't I mean, they had no new manager bounce under Mark McGee and they just look pretty wobbly, I must say. And um, th- those were sort of the two big games from the weekend. Um, there's news about Yeovil. Uh, everyone's a bit worried about their board structure and, and their, their, their management team at the, at the top. John Fry and Norman Hayward. Well, it looks like they might be uh, due to leave uh, in the new year with a consortium looking to buy the club. I mean, this is... They, they made a statement today categorically denying it. Oh no! Yeah, they came out today saying there's been no takeover. They can categorically deny any interest from a local consortium. Oh, I saw and like three local reporters reporting it. It was about two hours ago. No smoke without fire. That's what I say. <laughs> um, they're just trying to drive the price up. Watch. Um, no, I think everyone's basically in agreement that that there needs to be new investment, new energy, new ideas at that club because otherwise, as Adam Virgo put it on Twitter, and he's someone who's who's uh, spent some time at the club. He said, "Look." I'm pretty sure I'll be covering Yeovil next season in the National League. Shambolic from the top of the club. Fans again being let down by the lack of vision. So that's an interesting one because they are one of four teams on 20 points and desperately trying to drag themselves away from the relegation battle. They're along with Chesterfield, who are unbeaten now in six, uh, Crewe and Forest Green. So uh, those are the, the four teams above Barnet and sort of desperately thrashing to, to try and pull away. And that's where these next few weeks are going to be so, so important. Colchester, George, are on very good form over the last six or seven games. And Sammy Smodics, always such a bright young player, someone that we've always really liked. And he just had the game of his life on Saturday. Um, set up the own goal for the opener, scored the penalty for the second, scored a brilliant goal from the edge of the box for the third and hit the bar from 30 yards, um, which would have been his hat-trick. That was all in the first half. He has had such bad luck with injury. Um, But Colchester are looking upwards. It appears that he might be back and looking upwards and they could be a bit of a dark horse, maybe? Yeah, I think there's a lot of pre-season optimism around them as well. They got off to a very, very shaky start. I think they look decent. They're, yeah. they're a team that I was positive about before. They've got some very good players. You mentioned Smodix. Uh, Mikhail Mandrin's a player that I really liked. I don't think he scored as many goals as he'd hoped, but he's certainly very lively. Um, Not as many goals as, as you'd hoped, having backed him for top goal scorer in League 2. 
Correct. Yeah, that is right. Um, I mean, they're one of, uh, what is it, seven teams between fifth and twelfth who are separated by three points. I mean, it's pretty standard fare for League Two, that, but it does make it hard to pick talking points each week because it's just it's just an absolute free-for-all in there. Uh, Matthew Sieg was at the Morecambe game. He's a Morecambe fan. They beat Coventry 2-0, which is a, a really impressive result from them. Obviously, Coventry missing Jody Jones so, so much, but Morecambe completely dominant and created enough chances to score more than twice. Vidane Oliver, not a name that you hear very often on the score sheet, formerly of York, now playing up top for Morecambe. He was the standout performer, says Matthew, his best showing in a Morecambe shirt. So Coventry really poor, and only Lee Burge in goal came out with any sort of credit. So with Exeter losing, uh, with Wickham drawing, it was it was Lincoln who sort of punched their way into the playoff spots there and who... Um, yeah, a really impressive start to the season, really. You know, 21 games in to their first first season back in at this level. You've got to be pretty happy with that. And under the Cowley brothers, you know, you, you wouldn't bet against them continuing in an upwards trajectory. No, I've been kind of surprised about the, the lack of optimism surrounding their season. You've heard a few people saying that they've been disappointed with how they've played um, so far, as if, you know, we spoke about it at the beginning of the season. They were very, very short priced to, to do well after their promotion. I think that the... Um, FA Cup run um, made them put them on people's radar a bit more than normal uh, National League champions um, but I think sixth after 21 games um, not far four, four points off, off third spot they'll be very very happy with that and, and, and hitting, form, hitting form at the right time so massive reasons to be positive um, you've mentioned Luton and Notts County being the best two teams I agree with that but there's a huge huge space for someone uh, to come up and take that third spot mm. and if you're looking at the table as it is especially with uh, Coventry's big injury problem um, with Jody Jones and you'd think that they're probably best poised to, to be the team to go up and, and, and make the most of it yeah well we keep waiting for Mansfield to make their run but 2-0 loss at Crawley and I think we'll end there with credit to Crawley Town a great home win against Mansfield uh, after a tough few weeks of the club with the, the passing of their former manager Dermot Drummy, so you know, a great result for them, and um, and very encouraging signs over the last few weeks and months for Crawley on the pitch. And that's all from us today. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope that if you've got this far, if you've enjoyed this edition of the Not the Top Twenty podcast, then you may feel obliged to share via retweet uh, or, or post the link on your club forum if we've discussed your team in any sort of depth. Um, or just send us a tweet and tell us how much you enjoyed it. Thank you very much, guys, for your continued support. Uh, Next week, you'll need to look for us appearing elsewhere. Uh, We won't say where yet, but follow us at NTT20pod on Twitter. And there'll be a slightly different way of getting your NTT20pod fix next week. But we hope that you guys have a good week, and we will talk to you again soon.